Okay, so good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to today's edition of the Kent Foundation podcast. Hope you are all well. Today, I have got um, leadership and team development consultant, Julie Flower. Um, She's also one of our mentors from the Kent Foundation, and I'm going to be having a bit of a chat with her about how she's been adapting through these difficult times. So good morning, Julie. Morning, Katie. Lovely to be here. Lovely to have you. Thank you very much. So let's let's go straight in. So I mentioned that you're a leadership and team development consultant. So what does that mean to everybody listening? Yeah, what does that mean? My mum always asked, used to ask me, what, what does it mean, Julie? <laughs> if I knew. Um, so my business is called The Specialist Generalist. And that's really because I, I am a generalist and I do a lot of work with all sorts of different kinds of organisations, large ones, small ones, public service ones, voluntary sector, commercial, and um, really around helping to enable leaders and teams to be more versatile. So often it might be around sort of some of the softer skills type training, communication, collaboration, creative problem solving. Sometimes it might be around kind of um, harder, more analytical things like strategy development or analytical problem solving, those sorts of things. So I work across quite a broad spectrum, but usually my clients are working in quite complex, messy, ever-changing environments. And, um, you know, I've been self-employed for 10 years now and I always worked with clients around the idea of them being in uncertainty that the context is ever changing and I don't think I ever imagined that it could change in the way that it has in the last few months you know we talked about uncertainty years ago we didn't even have a clue what uncertainty was so I, I think that's quite quite interesting. So, yeah, the kinds of things I do, it might be more traditional consultancy. It might be training, coaching, mentoring um, or kind of facilitation, uh, kind of working with groups in a bit more of an emergent way. Cool. So, I mean, there's been no greater change kind of business wise than there has the last few months. So how, how has that affected your business? How has that changed things for you? Yeah, an interesting one, Katie. I have to admit, the first sort of two or three months were very challenging, as I think they were for, for so many and, and sadly continue to be for so many. Um, I found that literally overnight I lost a huge amount of business because so much had been about groups in face-to-face um, scenarios and everyone just had to kind of go into crisis mode. And I also used to do a lot of work within clinical research. And again, they had to pivot overnight and go away from all the strategic stuff and just focus on COVID. So the first two or three months were a challenge, but I took it as an opportunity to really think about how I could adapt to the more virtual space and support my kinds of clients as they they adapted through that uncertainty because not only did they have to predominantly work remotely but they had to adapt and deal with challenges that they'd never dealt with before and potentially problem solve in a way they'd never dealt with before so one of the things that has proved a surprising success really is around applied improvisation in the virtual space so one of my Um, hobbies and also specialisms with respect to my practice is around exercises from improvised comedy and theatre and how they can help us develop skills particularly around collaboration listening creative problem solving Um, and the things that I've often done with groups but in real life 
Um, so if you'd said to me eight months ago, nine months ago, you'll be doing this online, I'd have said that's absolutely ridiculous. This is about people being together, you know, feeling it in the room. Um, but actually, it's proved surprisingly successful. So even last week, I was working with a collaborator and we had 150 people from um, a university um, sort of researchers and managers on a Zoom call doing improvised comedy exercises. I mean, it was wild, but we did it. And this idea of kind of humanizing the virtual space, I think, you know, actually saying we are humans, we have certain needs around collaboration and friendship and socialization before we can really collaborate effectively together. That's where I think something like improv can really uh, come into its own. Oh, that sounds amazing. So how, so how does that work then? So everybody's on the on the Zoom call. And so what, what kind of things are they ex expecting? What happens? Yeah, so really it is just very practical and experiential. So I will brief in different exercises to help people warm up and use not just their brain I think we use our brains a lot but we don't really concentrate on warming up our bodies and also our bond between us whereas the improv exercise it is designed to work all three body brain and bond and so I'll brief in different exercises and they might be all in one big gallery view. We might do something very physical, um, moving in and out of shots, leading and following each other. We might do stuff in small groups, maybe things like group improvised storytelling, work with objects, a whole range of different things. Um, some exercise might be around flexibility of thinking. There's quite a strong evidence base around improv and like creative thinking and flexibility of thinking, putting people on the spot. So, um, I mean, obviously this isn't a visual interview, but if I, I held up an object, Katie, and said, right, you've got to think of five alternative uses for this thing, and you're suddenly put on the spot. Um, it might be quite scary at first, but actually they're great skills to develop and they use Zoom in a very different way. So it can really help people develop their connection and bond as much as anything else. And also it actually just sounds really fun. Yeah. I, I'm thinking I'd quite like to have a go at this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're right. And we're both smiling. And I think it's that idea of playfulness. And, you know, the world is hugely serious now for very good reason. But we do need to ensure that we still keep fun and playfulness in what we do, because actually we'll be able to work better and get better results that way. Yeah. OK. And so how did you. I mean, you've ju you've just explained it like literally you have the best job in the world. That's that, that sounds that sounds really, really fun. But um, how, how did you get to that point then? How did how did your journey? take? You mentioned earlier that you've been self-employed for 10 years. So so what was your journey before that? How did you get to this point? Sure. So goodness me. Um, my degree was in history. And like many people who do a history degree, I had no idea about what I wanted to do for a career. I just enjoyed history. Right. Um so I worked for a charity for a year. Then I thought I'd better do a graduate scheme. So I went to Sony and did a commercial graduate scheme, which was fascinating. Um, but then I thought I'd like to do something a bit more altruistic as I saw it. So I moved into the NHS doing project management and I worked in the NHS for eight years. And that was a great time. I mean, you know, can be a hugely pressured environment, quite a politicised environment sometimes. 
but a real privilege to try and improve patient care um, whilst also juggling all the walls of different clinical advances, you know, economic pressures, um, government policy, a whole range of stuff. So, yeah, I worked across Kent, Surrey and Sussex in different roles over that time. So some were more strategic and some were more, you know, like based in hospitals, improving services, working with patients and clinicians um, to do that. So, then 10 years ago I just thought you know what I fancy going independent and I fancy I suppose just not picking and choosing a bit more but having that flexibility to really focus on areas that interest me most and at that time I'd never discovered improv so that hadn't even come onto the agenda yet but what I found was I I kind of drifted from the more analytical kind of consultancy based side of things to bring in much more of the human side so for me my job has become more human in the last 10 years if that doesn't sound too weird and um, so I really got into the leadership development the team dynamics side and about six or seven years ago I just started improv as a hobby um, I'd always done bits of amateur drama and things um, but I just loved improv and not only do I train and perform in it as a semi-professional hobby I also um, realized how applicable it is to the world of work and it's much more established in America and Canada that kind of applied improv in the workplace is much more established but over here not quite so much so um, so I like to so I've also trained in uh, things like behavioral change as well so I like to really meld really different tools in my toolbox and sometimes improv is not the right tool but sometimes it is you know sometimes I bring out evidence-based psychological approaches to change or sometimes I bring out a case study I think for me it's all about just keep adding that experience and those different tools because in the end people are people and you know we can I don't know, there's something about that versatility, I suppose, of approach. So I am very much a generalist. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, I'd have really been kind of, ah, kind of beating myself up about that fact. But now I almost revel in it. It's like, you know what? <laughs> if you want a helpful person <laughs> with some kind of credibility and some experience in a range of different um, fields, who is happy to do things a slightly in a slightly unorthodox way. So I like really working in a bespoke way with an organization or a team to develop something that's going to be a bit different and hopefully therefore is going to give them better learning. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if that's answered your question. I'd like to say that 10 years ago, I had an amazing vision about where I'd be Katie, but it <laughs> just, that just isn't true. And anyone who tells you that's true, most of them are probably fibbing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that is always the way it works out, is it? So how did, um, so how did, you go from there how did you get involved with the Kent Foundation how did you come across the Kent Foundation what happened there yeah I was trying to think about how that first how that first happened and I think I might have seen some kind of advert for mentors maybe on LinkedIn or or you know locally in some way so that was about four years ago um and I just thought this fits really well I'd done some mentoring before um, kind of years ago with uh, on a voluntary basis around um, young people leaving care I knew I enjoyed the one-to-one -one side I'd subsequently in business trained as a coach and a leadership mentor so I also did quite a lot of mentoring and coaching professionally and I just thought this is a lovely way of contributing to the local community as well as using my professional skills um, 
And a lot of my work was quite public service focused, whereas obviously this would have more of a commercial bent, which I thought also was interesting. So, so yeah, I just uh, kind of, uh, you know, picked up the phone as it were, or sent an inquiry in and then got hooked in quite quickly. So um, had the training, which was really helpful. And then very quickly got paired with a mentee who I'm still with. And I've since taken on another mentee as well. And then, um, you know, got involved in a few other activities. So that's how it started. And how does that differ working with the the Kent Foundation? And you mentioned you've got your mentees um, that you kind of look after as well in in terms of their business and stuff. So how does that um, vary in terms of your your job role, if you like? Yeah, sure. So I think it uses quite a few of the same skills because I do do mentoring and coaching in my in my work. So I think that kind of one to one, very focused approach where um, you're both giving some um, advice in a mentoring situation, but also I'm bringing quite a few coaching skills to really hopefully help motivate, you know, cultivate the mindset to try new things and develop um, develop resilience, all of those sorts of things. So I think in some ways that's very complementary to my work, but I think what's different is that I'm working here with young entrepreneurs. So every day I admire the fact that they get out of bed and do this at an age when I wasn't even thinking about the idea of running my own business and that they're operating initially at quite a small scale, whereas often I'm working with teams in quite complex, large organisations. So, you know, when you have your own business, as you'll know yourself, Katie, as I know, you have to be all things to all people. And, you know, you don't have a big department to do your finances or to sort out your contracts or anything like that or do your marketing it's you um and so just being able to offer some support to someone who is taking that big step to develop their own their own thing their own vision is a real privilege actually and I I learn as much from from the relationships as as hopefully my mentees do as well oh that's lovely and it and it's clear and I'm sure that people listen to this I mean they they can hear it in your voice you are excited you're enthusiastic you're clearly very passionate about about what you do um and in terms of you Julie what do you do um that keeps you motivated to keep you going Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, yes, as you can probably detect, I'm generally quite a, a positive and, and sunny person, but that doesn't mean that I don't have times when, when it's tough. I think particularly over the last few months, I've really taken time to delight in the little things because I think sometimes we're so busy rushing around. And, you know, I'm someone who has been very fortunate in being able to travel quite a bit um, and do those sorts of things, you know, go to the theatre, all of those sorts of cultural activities. None of that's available right now. But I think coming to just um, appreciate, genuinely appreciate every day, uh, the smaller things, going out for nice walks, um, interacting with family. We're in a bubble with my father-in-law. So he's, um, you know, it's, it's joyful actually to, to spend time in, in his company. And over the summer, I've really been enjoying swimming in the sea at Tankerton. Uh, I'm sure lots of listeners will know Tankerton near Whitstable. Um, and that has just been a delight. So I'll go down there with my father-in-law. Sometimes my husband would join um, and we, we'd have a dip in the sea. I have to admit, I don't have a wetsuit, so I stopped now. Um, 
you can probably detect in my voice that I am northern. I grew up in Sheffield, so as far away from the sea as you can get in the UK. Um, and I do have quite a high tolerance to the cold. But yeah, I have have stopped now. So those sorts of things keep me motivated, as well as just really working with a huge variety of um, clients, whether on a voluntary basis or, or through work. And, you know, I do get my energy and joy from interacting with people. So I've been quite careful, even in this kind of lockdown environment, to still do interactive things with, with people. I'm certainly hearing that it's the whole commu- the communication and the connection thing that really kind of sparks something in you. Yeah, it does, definitely. And um, it's interesting because when we went into lockdown, lots of my um, friends who who were involved in improv performance and also some of them were, were actors, you know, this has been absolutely horrendous for those who get their energy from performing live in front of audiences, which I do as a, as a hobby. Um, but actually, even that we've taken online and we've done some quite interesting work um, around how we can connect in the virtual space in an improv performance world. And just being able to, to carry on, you know, working with those that you enjoy working with or like like with people who've been doing their ballet class or book group or choir or whatever they do online, just keeping that connection, even if it's not quite the same as when you meet in real life, is so important, really, really crucial. Because I think a lot of the um, a lot of people worry, you know, how things work on Zoom. How does the whole thing even work to get yourself online? And, you know, it all seems a bit too much, a bit too technical. And I think a lot of people have kind of accepted now that that this is a way to do it. And they're finding more imaginative ways to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think like with any change, there's always that initial sense of, oh, do I really want this? I think we've just had to adapt, haven't we? And and even so many things were then happening online that, that you could never have imagined, like teaching the majority of lessons, that sort of thing, um, or doing some court hearings that, that may not be perfect, but they've had to adapt. But I think in our personal lives as well, Um, But having said that, I think there's a risk we can become so virtual, whereas actually we do still all exist in a 3D real space. And we are fortunate that we're still allowed to go out and exercise. And, and, you know, pretty much we have we have freedom of of movement, although we can't go on holiday right now where this is at the date that this has been recorded. So I think there's also something about just connecting with your environment as well and appreciating what's around you. And even, you know, going for a walk and just saying good morning to strangers. I'm terrible for that. I I speak to everybody. Um, Maybe that's the northerner in me, but, um, you know, so striking a conversation with random strangers, that's me. But I think it's really important. And there are many people who don't necessarily have that that connection um so yeah even just that tiny interaction can make a massive difference to somebody's day and is there any advice that you could give somebody maybe somebody who kind of is sitting at home and does feel a little bit of anxiety around the fact that this is what it's turned into is there any advice that you could give that might kind of help them or spur them on a little bit to to just kind of feel like okay this this is okay and, and there is ways in which we can deal with it. Yeah, I think it's a good question. And, and obviously it varies by individual. 
I would say that genuinely trying to be as in the moment and present as possible is really, really helpful. And what I mean by that is trying not to look too far ahead, focusing on the here and now, because we genuinely don't know how this is gonna pan out over the next two or three months. Um, so actually day by day, just really um, taking pleasure in the smaller things, congratulating yourself for anything you've achieved that day and just kind of being easy on ourselves. It is quite tough right now. Um, so not setting our expectations too high. Um, there, there are even techniques you can try. One of the things I, I quite enjoy doing is at the end of each day, literally just writing down three things that I've appreciated or that I'm grateful for that day or three funny things that have happened. That can be quite nice as well. And just put a smile on, on your face. It's those small things, I think, that, that are important right now. Yeah, just that little bit of reflection, just to, mm -hmm. to find the good, isn't it? It's like a gratitude journal almost, writing down what, what's positive about the day. Even if you haven't had the best day, seeing the good things about it can give you a bit more of a, a kind of mindset check can't it? it can absolutely right and that then is incremental you know so we don't expect to change everything all at once and there will be good days and bad days or good moments and bad moments but actually just getting into that habit you know can genuinely help you as you say change your your mindset yeah. so yeah and for bu for business owners I think there's a lot of pressure especially small business owners you know that business perhaps hasn't gone to plan you know in January when you've planned your 12 months marketing yeah. strategies and stuff maybe actually it looks completely different now with what's happened um but I think there's a lot of pressure to kind of be on top of everything you know oh it's lockdown what are you doing what have you created what have you done and maybe actually sometimes all you need to do is just step back and just think you know and I hate the expression but it is what it is and you just accept you just need to accept that be in the moment this is what's going on now and today maybe I don't feel great and that's okay and maybe tomorrow I'll be productive or maybe tomorrow I'll do something else yeah yeah I would agree completely and I think the worst thing we can do but it's natural as a human to do it is compare ourselves to others um, and that's particularly true at the moment. And I do think it's hard in, in business because there's a tendency, perhaps also if you're a bit quiet, to go onto LinkedIn or go onto other social media, Instagram or whatever it is that you use. And as you say, you can start to suddenly feel this build up pressure. Oh, my gosh, they've launched a whole campaign whilst they're in lockdown or they've learned Japanese or, you know, now they're a, a ballet dancer. And it's like, oh, my goodness me. But it's, it's natural that we compare ourselves to others. But actually, it's one of the most dangerous things we can do. So, yeah, I would agree day by day, seeing how you feel, dealing with whatever the world throws at you that day. When we think of how some businesses have had to adapt day by day because of new guidance, I mean, it's extraordinary. So actually the best you can do is to be very open-minded, be versatile, be fleet of foot. Um, it's those skills of adaptability, I think, in a way that are more important than strategic planning right now. You know, don't, don't lose sight of your vision and dream, but actually just accepting that at the moment things are extraordinarily this is a once in a century weirdness so it's okay that it feels weird 
yeah in, indeed and if people are listening to this and they're thinking gosh that really resonates that's really making sense what Julie's saying mm-hmm. um and they want to come kind of looking for you and find out more about you maybe contact you how do they go about doing that yeah sure so I'm afraid I'm not on Instagram 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 no. <laughs> Probably it feels a bit grim sometimes, I don't know. So um, the best things to do are to look up Julie Flower on LinkedIn, um, or you can go to my website, which is www.specialistgeneralist.co.uk. They're probably the easiest ways. Um, those who are very social media savvy will be holding their heads in their hands when I say, I am on Twitter, but I don't really use it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're probably the, the best routes to go down. Fab. Okay. And just before we finish, I'm just going to ask you a couple of, um, just a few random questions just to, to throw in at the end for a bit of entertainment. But before I do that, I just want to say it's been really lovely chatting to you. And like I mentioned, you are a really positive person you know it's a really nice vibe talking to you and I think that anybody that works with you I can absolutely see how you would bring the sunshine into the room and it is and it is really really lovely and just to hear you kind of talk about how you know it is humans we are business owners but we are people as well and it is important um to remember that and I think sometimes people do lose sight of that so it's really refreshing to hear you hear you speak about that today Oh, thank you, Katie. It's been been lovely to, to be on. So thank you. Fab, thank you. Okay, so right. Now, first answers. Don't think too much about it. No oh. pressure. Okay. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> if you had a superpower, what superpower would you want? Oh. Um the ability to make everyone jump for joy. I'd be jump for joy woman. <laughs> jump for joy woman right okay and what did you used to say to people when you were little and they said what do you want to be when you grow up Julie what did you tell them Gosh. the fact that I can't remember I think is that I just <laughs> have a clue <laughs> maybe I said I think I did you once used to say actress but my head, but my headmistress told me that was ridiculous. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's learning there around how to motivate young people. But yeah, so maybe I said that. <laughs> we'll 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 go with that. And lastly, what's your favourite Christmas song? Ah, oh, it's <laughs> um, "Fairy Tale of New York," the Pogues and Kirsty McCall. Oh, of course, yeah, classic classic a little bit but ultimately fun indeed at least everyone knows it yeah okay and so you mentioned um you mentioned earlier so so lastly let's just uh give you a chance to give a mention you mentioned that you've got a couple of mentees do you want to give them a little shout out yeah really really happy to I'm assuming I'm allowed to mention their names yeah that's fine yeah yeah awesome so um got Hannah Catchlove um, who runs Fond Company, which is a wonderful design-led, I need to describe it properly to do her justice, it's a wonderful design-led homeware and gifts. So she's got wonderful ranges coming up for Christmas, 
beautiful designs. And then um, Alex Katia, who does um, lots of web development and really interesting work in that field, and also is quite a trailblazer around um, coding and particularly sort of women in STEM and women in tech. So shout out wow. to them. Yay! Shout out to them, guys. Okay. And just on a final note, I just want to um, kind of let everyone know that if you've listened to this and you think, gosh, I'd really love to be a mentor, I'd love to kind of get involved with the Kemp Foundation and I love what it's about, um, or maybe you're just starting out in your business and you think, oh, that's exactly the kind of person I need on board to give me some help, um, then by all means, please do contact the Kemp Foundation. You can find us online um, and get in touch. And one of the um, Miranda or um, Rowan, will get in touch with you sort out with you um, how you can get involved what you need to do and it's pretty much available to, to everybody everyone that is thinking about starting a small business young people in business and if you're a mentor maybe like I say you've got a business maybe you've been really inspired by Julie today um, but reach out because everybody brings a different skill set everybody has something else to offer that the Kemp Foundation would would love to um, kind of have you on board and have you be a part of so on that note thank you ever so much Julie for your time today oh thank you Katie it's been wonderful to catch up lovely to see you it's been lovely talking to you and uh, thank you for listening everybody I hope you've really enjoyed today's podcast and we'll Thanks for listening. Let us know whose story you want to hear next. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then be sure to leave us a review. We'll see you next week.